When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I will admit my expectations were quite low going in, but I had quite a good time with it. So I was pleasantly surprised by the extremely violent deaths that happen at many, many times. I mean, Mission Impossible's done a train as well, but the CGI there was also not the best. But when you can really see the CGI going up, it always takes me out of the film. And this wasn't the best version of the CGI as well. Things like that take me out of the picture. But, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff happening and I can understand why. I definitely would recommend it to a lot of people because, hey, it's a fun film. Sit down, get some popcorn, have a, have a laugh with it. Hey everyone and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Today I'm joined by Stephen. Hello. Simon. Hello. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about Extraction 2. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today are Stephen and Simon. Over to you please Simon, say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. Hello listeners, my name's Simon Williams. I do not have a podcast but I do have a film quiz that takes place every month in central London called You're Gonna Need a Bigger Boat. This is a little movie quiz we've been putting on for almost 20 years now. Yikes! And it's, uh, little movie something- quiz. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a little movie quiz. You get about 140 people each month. Good crowd, good regular crowds. It's a lot of fun. Come along if you can manage to get tickets. They go quite quick. It's uh, probably enough promo from me. But yeah, <laughs> don't tell more people. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Best kept secret. Yeah, worst kept secret. Well, I should say that's. I guess regular listeners might know. Myself and Helen met at a film quiz. We were pulled onto a team, and it was for the bigger boat film quiz. When it was when it had more venues, more locations per month. But since then, I guess. You guys, you and Lee J have got more kids, people moved out, COVID happened, so there's now just a once a month, right? Yeah, just one shot. It's the creme de la creme of London's film nerd community, so it is, uh, yeah, it's a hell of a competition. If you think you know stuff about films, come and try it out. Can you remember your team name for when you met, you, Kobe? You just said that you met at a quiz. What was your team name? The team, the only team I've been a part of is the Shabbos Rollers with Helen, started by Captain Ben, who, yeah, is a big fan of the Big Lebowski, so he did not roll in the Shabbos is essentially that. Yeah, it's a good, good name. Yeah, and now Helen's, we've established all this has since declined. People have moved away, COVID happened, and Helen's now defected to another team and winning winning there, it seems. <laughs> I'm now a mouse, a member of the Average Mouse Detectives. But the team names are always a delight to see each month. Some people keep them each month and some people come up with extremely inventive team names. So if you have a look at any of the team names when the scores are released, it's always a, it's always an interesting read. 
the highlight of uh, last month's quiz, it was the winning team was Eat Me Army Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephen, who are you? Who am I? That's quite a deep question. Um, who am I? So I've been a freelance film journalist critic for 15, 20 years. During that time, I wrote for Radio Times for about 15 years, BBC Radio Scotland for about 15 years. I used to be on the TV, which is far more cringy than it sounds. If you think listening to yourself on a voicemail is bad, wait till you see yourself on TV. It is soul destroying. You straight for Empire, The Guardian, various others, and... I try to not be an opinionated blowhard like many critics are just by nature. Good friends with Simon. We have a WhatsApp group where we often chat about films. And I don't just say this because he's on there, but I think Simon is one of the people that I actually genuinely trust when it comes to opinions. And I like his nuanced take on films. And that's something that I try to do. I don't know whether I succeed in that, but I find that with a lot of film critics and journalists and fans nowadays, everything sort of swings towards hyperbole. Everything's either the best or the worst. And I often find that the answer some often lies somewhere in the middle, you know, every film's got good and bad and and that's why I like talking about films to get to what's good and what's bad. Is that insinuating there might be some middle in extraction too? Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> Shots fired already. So Radio Time, sorry, that's piqued my interest because I think in the eighties, early nineties, well, late nineties even, that Christmas Radio Times was like an absolute delight. Golden document. Yeah. Get your highlights, get your, I was going to say TDK. TDK is the, the audio tapes, isn't it? But Maxell, whatever, three hour tapes, and you know what you're going to record, you know what your TV viewing is going to be for the, and film viewing is going to be for the rest of the year based on that one beautiful document and contribute to the Christmas type. Do you ever contribute to the Christmas edition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, they, and they used to send us the ginormous book that was, uh, you know, one year it was this thick and then the next year it was, it just got thicker every year and it was like a small cabinet by the, by the time I stopped writing for them. But yeah, it was quite exciting the first time I got that to sort of scroll through and look at it. But, and then the pedantic part of your brain goes and you look for your review and you think, I didn't write that. Why have they put this comma there? I didn't put that full stop there. And then I had to stop reading them because I got too precious about them. But yeah, it was, it was very cool to see your name in it at the start, yeah. Well, we're talking about films today. Obviously, Extraction 2 is your choice, Stephen. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it? And then I'll get the timer up for the synopsis, in which you'll have 60 seconds or less to give us that. Okay, so Extraction 2, why did I choose it? I chose it because I really liked the first one. I love Chris Hemsworth a lot. Like, my wife would probably say to a worrying degree. I definitely didn't go out and buy a white V-neck t-shirt and get a high fade after watching the first film. I definitely didn't do that. Yeah, I watched the first one and I thought it was a bit of a contrast for me because you know how we've all got those things that when you watch a film, there's always that thing you look for. So for me, I always like character stuff. I like quiet moments. I like dialogue. I like films that are, you know, when they're about something, when there's some sort of message or arc. And the first extraction film is just not that at all. The first extraction film is look at Chris Helmsworth killing people in cool ways for like 90 minutes and looking awesome while doing it. And I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed the way that it wasn't trying to be anything that it wasn't. And I think it, it comes down to that, that debate we've seen a million times online. Do you rate a film by what, what you want from it or do you rate a film by does it achieve what it's trying to achieve? And I think the first extraction was just trying to be awesome action. That's I mean, it, it could be called awesome action, the movie. And I'm also a sucker for long uncut takes. Even if they're stitched together, I think if they're done well, I like them a lot. And so the first film had a lot of that. And I don't want to get onto it too soon, but the, my main hesitancy with the second film was the fact that, well, I mean, can, you, you said no spoilers. So can I talk about the end of Extraction 1? No. Okay, so right, let's, okay. let's go on to the, the synopsis starting now. 
So Chris Hemsworth plays a mercenary called, brrr, wait for it, Tyler Rake, which is one of the most awesome names I've heard since the 90s and the glory days of Steven Seagal. So he's a mercenary and he is, shall we say, wounded at the start of this film. He goes up to a cabin and he recovers. And then a stranger played by Idris Elba gives him a job. That job is to rescue Tyler Rake's former sister-in-law and her two children. There really isn't a massive amount more to the plot. It's just he goes and rescues them and there are lots of long action scenes with very, very inventive ways of death. I like the openness to there's not much there's not much to the plot there. Because they spend a lot of time trying to say, guys, this plot is really serious. You're going to go over there to do a thing, to collect a person to do another thing and then kill some people and do a thing. And you're just kind of like, just get on with it, guys. <laughs> just get on with it. I don't know, Simon, have you seen Extraction 1? What do you think of Extraction 2? Yeah, I have seen Extraction 1. Yeah, I was a big fan of it. I was a big fan of Tyler Rake's character introduction, which I thought was one of the kind of the highlights of the film where he's, uh, he's drinking with his buddies, gets his buddy to hold his beer and then takes a big drop off a quarry wall into a, a cliff, into the lake. So, you know, he's a kind of a, he's a adrenaline junkie who is kind of hit rock bottom. You get that feel which is a bit of a cliche but the yeah and the, there's not really much more to the character i think he's got some kind of tragic backstory which actually becomes more of a subplot in the second film which we'll probably get into i know Stephen, you said there wasn't really much to the plot but there's kind of the fact the family connection in there and yeah i, I thought extraction 2 was like a lot of people have said bigger better in every way action scenes seemed a bit more intimate in the first film it was all about the choreography whereas these were bigger more elaborate, and you've got helicopters and trains and all kinds of things like that. And I also like the fact that it was, wasn't was really set in the usual places as well. So I think they go to Vienna and they're in, is it is it Georgia that the villain's from? It's one of the old kind of Soviet Republic or something. Oh, I can't remember where it was, but he, he managed, Tyler Ray could speak that language, couldn't he? And it's like, you never told me you could speak Georgian. It's like, well, my first wife was Georgian. Did you not read my bio? <laughs> yeah, yeah, at first it, it's... Yeah, it's a, it's a clever, really, because sometimes in these action films, when it's a family connection, you kind of roll your eyes. I won't mention James Bond. But in this case, that kind of makes sense, because then when yeah, he can speak the language, because obviously it's his wife. I think it's his, it's his ex-wife's sister or something. Um, but yeah, no, I was a yeah, fan of the first one, even bigger fan of the second one. Helen, have you seen Extraction 1 before this one? If you kind of know my sort of general film interests, I have not seen Extraction 1. But I uh, I went into this thinking that... I would be able to jump straight in without having seen the first one and kind of like see the lay of the land, which um, I can say that <laughs> did happen. So that was good. But Netflix was 82% sure that this would be for me. So, um, you know, that is quite a high stake. I mean, I will admit my expectations were quite low going in, but I had quite a good time with it. So I was pleasantly surprised by the extremely violent deaths that happen <laughs> many, many times. And, you know, Chris Hemsworth, he, you know, he's a dude. There's some interesting kind of takes on toxic masculinity and kind of family and stuff. And yeah, there's a really cool female character as well called Nick who gets to like do a load of shooting and fighting. So yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. So this is my first time watching it. So watching any of the extraction films and I wasn't pulled in by the premise of the first one. Obviously one reason to do this podcast is so that people suggest films we haven't, we wouldn't necessarily see. And it's one of the things where I like action films. I like Chris Hemsworth. I like the kind of settings in general, but the whole kind of idea is just like, uh, it seems fine. And I've got loads more of the films that I'd rather watch first. 
and I don't think that's changed my position after seeing the second one. I'm not seeing the first one, I should say, because there's a lot of action films, which I think are, I like the idea of doing a one but also I didn't feel it was done as well as it could be done. In this summer season, there's a few one in films and like Guardians of the Galaxy did a fantastic one, which I thought, even though even though you could see it all stitched together, I thought yeah, they've done it really well. But there's a previous one in the film, I can't remember, but I don't want to throw any shade on it. I would, I would name it if I could do. I just couldn't remember what it was. I just couldn't remember. I just, I just didn't. It just didn't vibe with it. And in the same way, this, the one that's in this one didn't really vibe with me. Like the one in the uh, kind of courtyard, I was just like, ah, oh, no, I don't know. I generally enjoyable. I just, it's just, it's, it's fighting against all these other films and TV shows. I don't have the time to watch at the moment. But having said that, I think, I think, I'm not surprised a lot of people are having a blast with it. I think it's a more than fun film to watch. It's just I feel the weight of a time bound against me. So. <laughs> You have a bit of an existential action film crisis yeah. watching this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like I do like an action film. I just made him a bit more discerning. Not just, not that sounds that sounds very hoity toity. <laughs> I'm curious what I mean. It's pretty much wears its heart on its sleeve, and it, it, it you know to to add another cliche, it does what it says on the tin. So I'm quite you know it's Chris Hemsworth fighting guys. I'm trying to remember does he does he kill someone? I know he kills someone with a rake in the first film. Sorry, it's a little bit of a spoiler. Because his name's Tyler Rake and he kills someone with a rake. And I'm sure, does he do that in this one as well? There is a rake death, but it's not him. Someone was, yeah, someone was, no, it was a fork. It was pitch and fork, fork. yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, so, that's a fork. Don't know my garden tools. That was, yeah, that was quite on, an interesting death, that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a proper horror movie death, that was. There's definitely a death by dumbbell, because that's in my notes. <laughs> Did that not do it for you? The tr- I mean, the treadmill death was quite cool as well, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, that was, yeah. I, in fact, I watched that. It's a good thing about watching this on Netflix rather than at cinema was I'm sure I rewound that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, he kind of kick, kicks a guy and he falls off and hits a treadmill and then breaks his neck or something. It was, yeah, it's very clever. One of my favourite favorite things that isn't a trope but should be more of is tough guy just gets better because he needs to be. And that's what Luke Hobbs did in Fast 6. The, the Rock's character is in prison. He had a cast and he needed, he needed to help the guy, so he just like broke out of his cast and now he's fine. And in this, uh, Tyler Rake was like convalescing. Idris Elba says, you got to do the thing. And he's like, okay, I'll stop being ill now. <laughs> no, doesn't he, he basically rehabilitates himself by chopping a load yeah. of logs. Yeah. It's like an 80s montage all over yeah, again. To get I, himself better. I think I literally <laughs> punched the air when he was doing that, like the, the 80s power ballad. Uh, it's... It's funny listening to like when you're you're saying there that the things didn't work for you and you you know how sometimes when you really like a film and someone doesn't like a film and you can feel your insides gnashing. I'm and sorry. You, you want I'm no, sorry. no no no. What I was going <laughs> to say was with Extraction Two, I don't really feel that like that at all. Like if someone's saying it doesn't work for them, I can absolutely see why it wouldn't work for them. And like it, I've spoken to a few people about this film, and whenever they've been sort of criticizing it or saying this didn't work, that didn't work. I don't really disagree with anything that they're saying. It's it's just, I wonder if part of this film, the appeal of this film, right, goes back to, do you remember after Paul Greengrass made the Bourne films and then mm. every action film was shaky cam, right? Now, I despise that to my core because when I'm watching an action film, I like a sense of geography. I like to see where people are. And you know when they were doing all that really fast hand movements and it was rapid cuts and Liam Neeson took 15 cuts to jump over a fence, all that sort of stuff. I really hated that so much that, now that we're, I think we've went from one end of the scale to the other nowadays where we're getting loads of long takes that I probably should be getting bored with the long takes, but I just, like the scene in Instruction 2 where the helicopter almost lands on the train. I mean, that was cool. I wanted to cheer at that. 
I don't know if you guys know this, but I was watching an interview with the director. <laughs> no, we didn't know. He was um, <laughs> he was actually filming that shot, and he was under the helicopter himself because he said he wanted to make. He said one of his aims with the film was he wanted to make all the action scenes really organic and not feel too over choreographed. So nobody had markers or places or like you need to have your feet here, you need to be there. They were all just moving about. So when I watched the helicopter scene back after knowing that, you can actually see where he steps forward and then thinks, oh crap, there's a helicopter coming on me and moves back. <laughs> so that's a health and safety nightmare, isn't it? Not having <laughs> markers for those kind of fights. Yeah. <laughs> and I also think he's cool because he was the guy, the, the director was the guy that played Chris Evans' body double in the Marvel movies. Okay. So when he's fighting himself in Endgame and he says, that is American yeah. ass, I think yeah. that was Hargreaves doing that. I can do this all day. Sam Hargreaves. Yeah, I know. No, I love a one. I think one is one. It's, it's a fantastic thing when they do it right, and it's just something. Just I don't know. Some things just don't twig with you. And I was like, I say this. Me at fifteen, I've been all over this film and just like let it wash over me. But I just think that you know when I look at like, the John Wick films, which properly get me excited, and I don't know why. I, I, I can't put a finger on it. I'd like to extraction one because a lot of people have kind of said I prefer one versus the other or the other versus the other so I think maybe I'm maybe I'll check out Extraction 1 versus Extraction 2 I think part of it's the CGI-ness of things as well because even when you're fighting there's a CGI background I was like Ugh. and when they're on the train for example this is a slight against Indiana Jones the latest Indiana Jones film versus the I mean Mission Impossible's done on a train as well but the CGI there was also not the best but when you can really see the CGI going it always takes me out of the film and this wasn't the best version of the CGI as well. Things like that take me out of the picture. But, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff happening and I can understand why. I definitely would recommend it to a lot of people because, hey, it's a fun film. Sit down, get some popcorn, have a, have a laugh with it. It re- really reminded me of like those first person games like you used to play when you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's kind of like the vibe I, I got to the point where I convinced myself it was based on a computer game, but I don't think it is. And I was like, this is really, really like playing these computer games that I was rubbish at and you're trying to like <laughs> swing around and grab your weapon and your arms on fire and all that stuff. So I don't know, maybe that kind of added a bit to my enjoyment. Can I ask a question to everyone? Can I pose you all a question? So... You do you know how every sort of year when the Oscars come out, you get that sort of buzz online and everyone's saying, right, this is the year we should we should start campaigning for an Oscar for best action sequence or best stunt work and things like that, right? And when that happens every year, the automatic reaction from everyone, including myself, is, there you go, Tom, Mr. Cruz, just take the trophy now. But when I was watching this film, I thought, well, is it that simple? Because I think it would be a three-way toss-up between Cruz and Dead Reckoning, Keanu and John McFour, and Hemsworth, who lights himself on fire in this film. So my question to you three is, out of those three, who gets your Oscar for best mainstream actor dude who actually does crazy stunts? The fire punching. The first thing I'd say is, I feel that the this should definitely be a category that the stunt people are allowed to get their vote in. Because, you know, outside of Cruise, there's very few people that do <laughs> the truly insane stuff. And Keanu Reeves says himself, he does action, he doesn't do the stunts. He'll, he'll learn how to fight, but he won't throw himself down the stairs. So Because he's sensible. Yeah. So I think it, it would have to be the crews. If whatever happened in the Corona rec- Dead Reckoning, he learned how to base jump, he learned how to ride a bike really fast, and he learned how to combine them both. That's not what you do as a, as a human being, generally. So w- what about yourselves? Especially when you're about 70 as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's a whole other topic of conversation, but I'm not a fan of... I mean, I'm a fan of crews. I'm a fan of the his films but i'm not a fan of uh, him as the 
the stuntman. I think it sets a bad precedent and it feels like they're escalating. I mean, I'm sure it's all done safely and, you know, there are, there's a team of professionals around him, but I wonder how much pressure there is on those guys, especially as him as a producer of the series coming down from, right, what are we going to do to top this crazy thing we did last time? So, I mean, if you could give it to the stuntmen, I'd, I'd probably preferred the action sequences in Extraction 2 to Dead Reckoning. I thought, yeah, I don't know. There's a, become a bit of a personality cult around Tom Cruise, and I say that as a huge fan, so I'm a complete hypocrite. <laughs> but I think it's the unsung stunt guys and girls who, yeah, deserve the props. One of my favourite YouTube channels when I remember to watch it is when the stunt people look like rate other stunts that they've seen and in, in other films, and when they're like properly like, whoa, how did you do that? And my favourite episodes was always when there's a female stunt actor in there because they always have, like, fuck all to wear. Whereas you don't realise all the guys, like the guy, Sam, in the Captain American outfit, he's got lots of body armour underneath him and he's like, rolling around. But then Wonder Woman, obviously not for the same series, she's got sweet FA to deal with and having to do the same kind of stunts and they're just much more liable to hurt themselves because they have to look like that on the, on the camera. So I think there's always, for me, after seeing those kind of things, the kudos to the female stunt performers who have to do things in bikinis for no particular reason. They should definitely get Chris Hemsworth to do a stunt in bikinis. <laughs> I think a lot of people like that. Helen, do you have a stunt person? And it's obviously Steve, back to your question. So I think it's a good one. So I would give it to Cruz as kind of like a lifetime achievement award and basically to say, that's it now. <laughs> Here's your award. <laughs> Let's stop with the madness. We applaud you for it. You can put this on your shelf. Imagine the downer of him throwing himself out of a space shuttle or something in the next Mission Possible film and dying. It's, it's just, just going to spoil spoil all the earlier films for me. Yeah. It's risky. Risky business, isn't it? Hey. No stunts in that. It was quite slippery, wasn't it, on that floor? That was his first stunt. Do you have a favourite stunt? Would, do you have an Oscar-worthy stunt person out of those three then, Stephen? I mean, it's, it's tough. It's... It, it's got to be Cruz, hasn't it? I mean, I think watching Extraction 2, one of the things I liked was you could see that Hermsworth is really putting himself into that. And when he's in those fight scenes, he's really throwing himself about. And I get the feeling that him and Sam were a sort of partnership trying to make this film as, as authentic and brutal as possible. So I think he deserves like massive credit for that. I think, you know, when you watch some action films and you feel like, well, the guy's just turned up, he's read his lines and he's went home and he's looked cool in a few scenes wearing a suit. That is definitely not that here, but it's impossible to compete with, that was no pun intended, it's impossible to compete with what Cruz is doing at the moment, really. I mean, if you if you show him something, he'll hang from it. If you, <laughs> he will climb like anything. A, it's like, a noose. I, I love the guy, but he's clearly not right in the head. I mean, he's... He needs another hobby. Yes. <laughs> well, we laugh at him, but maybe Scientology is true. <laughs> well, maybe it is. And he's the only one that's managed to benefit from it. So, actors have come out of Marvel films. How are they doing these days? You mean mentally or like at the box office? Well, Because Paul Rudd has like aged quite a bit, hasn't he, bless him, since like he's never aged. And now like I feel as though the shrinking business and the bigger business (laughs) has aged him. And he was frozen for five years, so he should look younger. I mean, just generally, in in terms of films, are they a draw for you? Steam, you said you've got an unhealthy fascination with Chris Hemsworth. Is that just Chris or is it anyone in Marvel films generally? How are they faring in other films outside of... It's tough to say. I mean, I don't really think Chris Evans has done too well. I didn't hate Ghosted as much as a lot of people seem to, but he seems to have struggled to find a proper 
buzzworthy career outside of Captain America. Robert Downey Jr. is just such a good actor that you know he's going to go on to to do other things. And I did almost feel bad for Kevin Feige in the Marvel lot when you saw Robert Downey Jr. was doing the Oppenheimer press. At every given opportunity, he was like, it's so good to be working with Chris Nolan. It's so good to be doing a real film. It's so good. And I, th- I could just imagine Feige sitting at home with his cap on sort of glowering going, oh, we gave you a chance. But yeah, Downey Jr. is just such an amazing actor. I think he'll go on to do brilliant things. And as much as I love him as Tony Stark, it's nice that he's freed up to now do some different stuff. Hemsworth looks like he's not just going to be Thor. You know, Tyler Rake, that's another franchise he's got. And I've liked him in quite a few things. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd's the sort of guy, he's just so charming and light that he can appear in anything. And I mean, he, he could be playing the same character in 50 years because he's got, he, he's, he must have some sort of secret miracle moisturizer somewhere that's that's keeping him ageless or a painting of Dorian Gray is that Because that guy... Yeah, he looks amazing for his age. Who else have we got? Scarlett Johansson? I mean, Scarlett Johansson's got a great career anyway. She did before Marvel. and Well, when you see not, not for uh, Asteroid City, for example, her doing things like that, which are just, yeah, hats off to you. Not hats off to you, but just like, I, I like that. I like seeing that. It's nice to see when the, when these actors go and do some different things as well. Like, I know it's not a Marvel thing, but I love what Robert Pattinson's done with his career s- since Twilight. He's chosen so many weird, oddball roles. And I know he's now playing Batman, but... Before that, he's not playing a like hyped up Batman, is he? He's playing like a, a dour, well, I guess vampiric Batman. <laughs> yeah. Listens to Nirvana, Batman. Yes. Something in the way, Batman. Yeah. It's, so, in answer to your question, I think some of them are doing better than others. It's, I guess it depends on audiences. Do we, as audiences, do we look at Chris Evans when he's doing something else and think, you're Captain America, mate. Stay in your lane. You should be You should be doing that. Or, or are we partially to blame? I, I don't know. I guess it depends on how eager they are to get out there and try new things and, and how good they are, basically. Because sometimes you get an actor that's good, but they'll fit perfectly in a part. Like Chris Evans is a brilliant Captain America. I'm not convinced he's the best actor in the world. I think he's good, but he's brilliant at Captain America. Is he brilliant outside of that? I'm not totally convinced. Whereas Robert Downey Jr. is an amazing actor. Mm. Any thoughts, Simon? I'd probably say that Robert Downey Jr., out of all the main kind of MCU casts, he's probably the only actor where I would watch a film because he's in it. I don't, and I think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a massive Marvel fan, but out of what I've, you know, I've seen most of the films and probably again, out of the main cast, I'd, I'd say that he, I'd find it hard to recast Tony Stark. I think he was absolutely perfect. And, and I mean, he deserves all the kudos. I mean, I know they helped resurrect him. He was, you know, he was struggling, wasn't he? And they helped him with his comeback. But um, for me, that he's the foundation of the whole franchise and it, you know, it could have failed after that one. He deserves the praise. And I don't think any of the, I don't know how controversial this is, but I reckon you could recast any of the other characters. I mean, of course you could recast Iron Man, but I think he, we would miss him the most. What about you, Helen, with uh, Ruffalo? Is someone springs to mind as uh, probably your favourite person in the MCU? Well, Scarlett Johansson, I think she's probably uh, someone whose career before then was pretty good and after. But yeah, I think it's nice to have like, Ruffalo release to get back to some of the like slightly more quirkier films that he's done previously. But Simon, Mark Ruffalo as Columbo, would that not pull you in? <laughs> what what has he been in where he is a very similar character? I mean, Your man from Spotlight. Zodiac. Zodiac. Zodiac Spotlight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's already done that. No, he hasn't. No, he's, I mean, he's, he's had a go. He's, had, he's been on, on the fringes, but he's not done Columbo. He's not. He's not. Got he's the... great as the slightly, the slightly ruffled character, isn't he? He's not slick and muscly, mm. apart from when he's Hulk, <laughs> uh, like the other guys are. The other guys are a bit bland, and they, they could be replaced. Yeah, actually, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it back. Mark Ruffalo, I think, as, as Banner was pretty good. I mean, taken over from yeah Edward Norton. I know that film seems to have gone into a memory hole 
as far as uh, Marvel's concerned. Well, guys, should we get to the scores? Sure. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to our Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Stephen, with your recommendability. Yeah, so I would say a four, but I would have to temper that four with how much you enjoy action and brutal violence and long takes and things like that. Because with anything, you know, if I was, just say I was chatting to Simon in the pub and he said, what's your rating? I would say four. If my granddad phoned up and said, what would you think of Extraction 2 for me? I probably wouldn't say to him, yeah, granddad, go and watch 90 minutes of people getting their head bust on a treadmill. So <laughs> a four, but with reservations depending on your predilection for action. Simon? Yeah, I think I'd go for a four as well. And I would preface that with, if you like the first one, you'll love the second one. If you didn't like the first one, you might still like the second one. <laughs> and I don't, and I, I know what you said at the start about spoiling the ending of the, the first one, but that they pretty much spoil the ending of the first one at the start of this one. Yeah, but it's not for us. It's for the people listening who haven't got there yet. That's true. But we're assuming they've seen the second one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a four. I think, yeah, like Stephen said, it's, I mean, you know what you're going to get. You've seen the poster where he's got his fists on fire. You've seen the trailer. It doesn't hide much what sort of film it is. So if you're into that kind of 80s, 90s throwback, you know, revenge character who brings himself back from the brink of death by chopping logs and has a cool name, then this film's for you. Helen. So I was surprised to see the involvement of the, the Russos in this because the grey man was awful. So I was like, oh, they can do something good. I'll, uh, I'll give them a pass on this one. I actually enjoyed this a lot more than I was expecting. And I think as long as you take it for what it is, it is quite silly. But yeah, if you kind of like a lot of violence and just a film that you just don't really need to think too much about because if you do then you'll start going but how did that helicopter do that um you know just take it for what it is so i'm gonna give it a 3.7 i'm gonna give 3.5 if someone said hey look should i watch extraction 2 i'd say do you know what kind of film it is and if they said yes i'd say well watch it then because you clearly have an idea and if they had no idea what kind of film was then I'd probably say it's probably not for you. So I think it's easy to recommend if, like I say, as, as Stephen was saying, if they if they like the the vibe, then I don't think you're going to lose out on watching it at all. I think it's just for me, there's other ones in there that just get me more, a bit more excited. So 3.5, repeat viewing score. Stephen? This is a tricky question because the overall film, I would probably say a 3.5 for rewatchability. But for individual scenes, maybe even a 4.5, because since <laughs> I watched this, I have went back and watched numerous scenes again, just, well, that kill was cool and that kill was cool. And is, is it okay if I just highlight two of those ones that I went back and watched? Sure, of course. So there's a scene, I think it's maybe halfway through or maybe later on in the film when Tyler's colleague, is it Nick or Nick or Nicky? Who's doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Extre- <laughs> doesn't matter. She's, I found her to be extremely likable in this film. And so they're at the top of this 
glassy building and she's knocked out and she is slowly sliding off the building and he has to fight through like a couple of goons to get up to the roof then slide down shoot the glass and catch her and as I'm saying that I realize how totally preposterous it sounds but as I was sitting watching it on my couch I was actually clawing the sides and I was so tense because a I really liked her as a character and b just because it was awesome it was one of those moments and awesome moments brings me to point two now, please don't think I'm pretentious because what I'm going to say might sound a little pretentious. See, for me, movies, movies are all about moments. You might watch an amazing film for three hours and it's technically brilliant, but you know when I've really loved a moment, a film, I come away and I think about various moments that grabbed me. And when I was watching Extraction 2, there's, you know, the long, long one take at the start that's what, was it 25 minutes, 30 minutes, however long it goes. I was in and out of it. It was exhausting and punishing, but there's a, a moment when he opens a door when he's on the train, walks out, and I think there's ocean maybe surrounding him or water surrounding him possibly, a helicopter is buzzing, he takes the biggest machine gun you've ever seen and starts <laughs> blasting at it, like the kind of minigun in Predator. And again, totally ludicrous, but I almost wanted to shout, fuck yeah, and punch the air, because I just thought, this is so macho and nonsense and stupid, and it's like I'm watching a video game that I'm not able to control, but there was a level of awesomeness to it that I just thought, I can't wait till this film's over so I can go back and watch that moment again. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? Well, I, I still need the score. <laughs> 3.5 for the film, 4.5 for individual scenes. So what's the score, Stephen? Okay, I'll set up, can I set on a four then? Sure. Somewhere it's in the your middle. score. I just need, I just yeah, need a let's go with a four. Simon. I, I don't know how I follow that because that was a brilliant answer. Again, yeah, I mean... You know, I mean, most of those clips are available, even if you don't watch the film on Netflix, most of those clips are available as, as kind of promotional clips they put out for a reason. And that whole massive sequence at the start is that's, that's the the extraction, I guess, of the title. Well, the whole film is an extraction, I guess. But where they're you know, getting this family out of prison, massive fight in the yard, love prison set movies. Sorry, I'm going off tangent, aren't I? So yeah, well, I mean, all of those scenes are very rewatchable. The whole thing zips along. What is it? It's two hours and a, two hours and a bit. I'm going to put myself at risk of copying all your scores here, but I'm also going to go for the four. It's, yeah, if you liked it, it's rewatchable. It's pretty, pretty zippy. Helen? Yeah, I, I don't know how much I'm going to go back to this, but yeah, I would like to quite watch the, the main extraction scene again because there's so much going on that I probably missed quite a bit. But then there's kind of like quite a slow bit before then they have to kind of like extract themselves again, which I'm probably like less into. And then, yeah, there's a bit, probably a little bit more extraction going on at the end. There's a lot of extracting. So I'm probably less hot than you guys. But if someone was like, oh, I've not seen it. Do you want to watch it? I'd probably like, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's it's quite, it's quite fun. So I'd probably say a three. Yeah, I'm going to two and a half here. I should watch it again. I probably will watch it again. I'm not sure when, to be honest, and just you know, just to sound out. I feel there should there's an opportunity for Netflix to do it like a bookmarking, chaptering, and go straight to the scene you want to see again instead of like scrolling through. Although Netflix scrolling is probably the best of the streamers, right? So you probably get to the way you want to get to quite quickly. You want the YouTube thing where they say, this is the clip that you want to watch right now. Yeah, well, it, it selects, yeah. So you type in like, Google, scene where someone gets their head almost sliced Death off with, with, a, with the pitchfork and they'll jump straight to that scene. But yeah, Netflix, please do something like that. That'd be awesome. We'll never watch films through ever, ever again. again. You can also identify serial killers as well. They'll put you on a file. <laughs> 
So yeah, 2.5 to your 3.5, Helen. Small screen score, Stevens. Ooh, maybe a three, I think, because even though I think I, if I'd watched this on my phone, I think I would have enjoyed it. But I think the scenes like, you know, the long take when he's busting out of the prison yard and when he's on the, the train and the helicopter's buzzing overboard, I think all that really benefits by a sizable screen. Again, not to say that you couldn't enjoy them, but I think, yeah, size is definitely important with this one. So I would say a three for that. See, I would have loved to have seen this at the cinema. I didn't, but I found that even though there are these big action scenes, it, it's, it all feels quite close up and intimate. So I don't think it lost anything on the small screen. So I am going to go for another four. Helen? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have gone, this wouldn't have been on like my to see list at the cinema. So yeah, I mean, it, it works on the small screen, I think, just about. But yeah, I mean, you could probably see there being some kind of entertainment in something like the Prince Charles doing in one and two nights and kind of getting to enjoy them on the big screen because there's a lot of stuff going on. So yeah, I'm going to go a four as well. I think it's fine on the small screen, but yeah, if there's an opportunity to maybe catch it on a re-release, then it could be interesting. I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for a five. This is, would have been, like I say, it would have been a VHS. It would have been something I'd maybe circled in the Radio Times for Christmas Recorded it there. Hopefully, it's, uh, you know, to had an addendum to Extraction One. The best ever was when you got this one and two on the same tape, right? Like Gremlins One and Gremlins Two. That was like a chef's kiss of a VHS I recorded. Anyway, so if I could do that, I think that'd be kind of perfect. I don't think the, again, the CGI side of things took me out of the game a bit, and I think that kind of thing looks better on a small screen than it does looking on a bigger screen. So five, because I think it looks great on a large screen. Engagement score, Stephen. Four. There were definitely times when I sort of zoned out a little bit and there were definitely a few times when everything was just a bit much and a bit punishing and a bit exhausting. <laughs> but at the same time, I was I would never classify that reaction as being bored or wanting to switch it off. And there was there were so many times when I was thinking, this is awesome. So <laughs> I would, yeah, I'd go with four overall, four. See, this is probably where it, it drops down for me. If I saw this at the cinema, obviously I would have been glued to it throughout. This is the problem when you watch on TV and there's a million and one other things competing for your attention. And also going back to what Stephen said about the, the great moments and the long scenes, there's no way I would turn my face away from this screen while I was watching any of those epic action scenes. However, in the in the little lulls in between, I mean, well, I can say that I didn't actually watch this in one go. I, I watched it over a couple of nights. So it wasn't that difficult for me to uh, turn off. So I would probably go to a, I'm going to say a 2.5. It's just honest. It's just how things are. 2.5. Helen. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Stephen and give it a four. I think the the kind of like overall plot is, is you know, you can kind of see where things might be going, but then there's still like moments where you're like, oh, that was cool. That was kind of fun. There's a character that gets killed quite early on and I was like, oh, did they mean to kill him? That's exciting. So there's moments like that where you're like, oh, that's interesting. But yeah, you're kind of a bit like, if you've seen action films, you can kind of know where it's going. But yeah, it's it's fairly fast paced. And for like the two hours and three minutes, I think it just about holds it, its time there. So yeah, four. One thing I should say is that I think I was just very, very tired as well when I watched this. So like, I did what I think I watched in one sitting, but I was kind of in and out just there mentally. I was so, not expecting to go into this with me liking this more than you, yeah. if I'm honest. <laughs> that happened with Crank as well, didn't it? You like Crank more than I did. Oh, but that, that's like an age old, like, because I saw it back then when, when it, it was weird out, yeah. and like, unusual. But I was like, 
yeah, I'm going to be like the lowest person coming into this <laughs> with the boys. But no. No, I think, yeah, I think I was just tired. That's maybe why I should watch, rewatch it again. But it just didn't, it didn't have me. I really like the pitchfork bit. And I like the making himself better through montages. <laughs> that just, it just kind of, cra- I don't know why it cracks me up, but it does. It should be a thing in more films. Sort yourself out by doing a montage or just breaking out your cast with your, with your biceps. I'm going to go for three because maybe I didn't give it a fair crack of the whip. And that gives an overall score of 3.66875, which is, hey, I think that's about where I thought it was going to be when we started recording. Should we head to Twitter, guys? Yes, please. If it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> Do follow us on Twitter. We're assuming it's still there. And we are at twitter.com not the other one that you're talking about, at FlixWatcherPod. And do follow us because we do talk about films and stuff on Netflix in general, films in general. And also before we go for a record, we put a little gif out and ask you to comment on the film, saying something like, we're reviewing Extraction 2 with a naked pun and at film quiz, film underscore quiz. Have you seen it? Tells your thoughts and a score out of five stars for an on-air shout out. And we had one response today. Stephen, do you have that response? I do. It's from Liam H. Dempsey, who says... Massive step up from the first with more ambition on display in action sequences, which are genuinely very good. And Hemsworth with Aussie accent intact convinces as an action hero. A reminder that the best video game movies are not those actually based on video games. Four stars. So tallies with some of the things you were saying there, Helen, about it being a video game type thing. Stephen, Simon, can you tell us where we can find you online and say goodbye to the listeners? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at the naked pun. I feel we need to a, a super short explanation of that. Oh, of the of the origin of the name. Yeah. Well, I like I used to like puns a lot. The Naked Gun is one of my favourite films. I wanted to be called the man with the golden pun, but it wouldn't allow that. That was too long. So for a while, it was golden pun, and then everyone was like, "Golden pun? That doesn't even make sense." And I thought, "Yeah, you're right." So I was watching Frank Drebin's exploits when I was changing my name, and I thought, "Naked pun? Yeah, let's go with that." I now completely regret it, and I wish I'd went with something a bit more mature and grown up, but stuck with it now fair enough yeah so all my film stuff's there any sort of podcasts or appearances on radio that i do i'll link to there and loads of terrible tom cruise memes for your viewing pleasure <laughs> uh simon through the big about film quiz we, we're on twitter we are at film underscore quiz we are on facebook i think as big about film quiz we are on the old-fashioned internet as film hyphen quiz.com i think and most controversially, we are there in real life at the Flamingo Room at O'Neill's on Wardour Street once a month. But uh, yeah, if you're interested in coming to the quiz, it'd be great to get some new blood in. It's always nice when new people turn up and shake things up. Do they get scared? They turn up and go, I didn't expect this. I'm never coming back. Well the, well, the best thing is when people, the first thing they say is, what do we win? And I always appreciate the optimism. <laughs> they always get a bit of a shock, I think, because even if you rate yourself, you know, you are, like I said earlier, it's the creme de la creme. It's, there are some very serious people there. I mean, we have a laugh, but it's, uh, yeah, there is some serious film knowledge on show. Now, I think also there's a technique to winning as well, right? There's not, if you, even if you know your films, I think if you're not prepared for some of the rounds. Definitely getting the most answers right yeah. helps. <laughs> but also, if it, yeah, funny drawings on the answer sheet, bribes, points, <laughs> all contributes as well. There's just, I guess there's, some, there's a couple of rounds like the observation round, which if you're not ready for that, then I think you could let it pass you by maybe. Yeah, the great thing about that is it's a real level yeah. leveler as well because you get people who've been dragged there by their friends in it or anything about films. But anyone can watch a clip and hopefully my memory's going now in my old age, but most people can remember things from hopefully a, the 90 second clip. Easy five points. But they st- struggle from the left to right. You had to, there's this period where you had to put this left. 
Oh yeah, first... whenever we ask it in which in which hand was uh, Tyler Rake holding the rake, people will say, "What, what was it? His left? His left or, or our my left?" left? <laughs> right. These people do not have a. So we show a picture now of anatomical left and right. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose like stage left or right or screen left and right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for talking about Extraction 2. Thank you, Stephen, for bringing it to me. I wouldn't have got around to watching and I'm, I am glad I have and I should watch Extraction 1 at some point. And guys, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.